Hi, my name is Morgan Burris. And mine's Caitlin Blancett. Today, ASR is taking snapshots of life in Bloomington. Today on the show, our reporters talk to prom goers, bikes, bike riders, and people with huge vocabularies. Expansive vocabularies. What does that mean? Stay tuned for all that and more. From Bloom... <laughs> From... Uh, I'm going live... Li- what is it? <clears throat> oh, ready? Should I do it again? From Indiana University in Bloomington. From Indiana University in Bloomington. This is... This is... This is American Student Radio. Real chill. Real chill. Aliens, conspiracy, journalism, and lesbians. So for those of you outside of American Student Radio, this is a cool episode. For Snapshot, all of the stories you are about to hear were reported, written, recorded, and produced within 24 hours. The rules were, one, you have 24 hours. If you started at 4 p.m. on Friday, your story had to be completely done by 4 p.m. on Sunday. Saturday. There it is. Um, (laughs) The second rule, there are no more rules. That, That was it. First up, we have Paul and Steven as they head to the Bloomington Florist, and I'll let them tell you why. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Yeah, that was it. That this was is it. Mariam's Walnut like House it's Flowers and Gifts. Yeah, stuff with flowers, trash keys, and Hi, I'm Paul. Everywhere. And I'm Steven. And we're not very good at this. Yeah, that's where XLO should be. So when we were looking around for stories, we did think of one place. This is Mary M's Walnut House Flowers and Gifts. Yeah, stuff of flowers, trash keys, and antiques everywhere. There are three old Coke machines from the 50s that are totally empty but still plugged in. You can stick your hand in, it's still cold. Yeah, and there's a gumball machine that makes this noise. This gumball machine's been going off like every 10 minutes. <laughs> so people go into flower shops with a purpose. About four, actually. Um, courting, weddings, funerals, and prom. So these florists see almost every stage of life. Corsage prom number one. So oh. we've got four weekends of prom. Um, Green County, South, North, and Edgewood, and then Columbus. Um, so those are... One reason they'd come in today? Okay. Our other reason funeral board. She said funeral uh, board. We have two funerals today. <laughs> so a lot of people come in for that and we get kind of crazy busy making up stuff for that and sending it out for the day. So you'll get a lot of those in. Um, and of course wedding and then random walk-ins. We did actually see people in for some of those funerals but didn't want to bother them. But we definitely wanted to talk to some more people. After a few minutes, enter prom bro. Okay, so our, mark, our perfect mark just walked in. A high school kid, he's like picking up a corsage for his prom, for his prom day. He has a backwards hat on. Oh yeah. Ooh. How's it going? How's it going? I'm Paul, and this is Steven. I'm Steven We're from yeah. with American Student Radio. Yeah. Oh, cool. uh, are you a high school student or? No, I'm a college. Good college student. Still not good at this. Prom bro asked to go unnamed, but he was buying flowers for his one year anniversary with his girlfriend. Yeah, we started dating last year exactly on this day, so. Yeah. That's yeah, so sweet. Pretty much what it is. I just got up from the bed and rolled over, got here, because she has to work uh, 
soon, so I have to get there before she has to go to work. So how early did you make these plans? Uh, about four days ago. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now I thought about it. Yeah. I'm not one of those spontaneous guys. Yeah. Finally, in walks who will call prom mom. It's prom season. Who are you buying a corsage for? Uh, well, my son is taking uh, a friend, Caitlin, to the prom, so I'm picking up the boutonnieren corsage today. I've asked my son all year if he was going to the prom, and he said no. He told me 13 days before prom that he would ask someone, so we're kind of rushed. He told me that he had asked the girl, so I called to find out what color her dress was and found out he hadn't actually asked her yet, so mom asked her to the prom. <laughs> I remember the way I asked my homecoming date. Yeah. Uh, was just in, in, I think, on the way back from gym class or something. <laughs> and I was like, you want you want to be homecoming buddies or something? <laughs> homecoming buddies? It was, uh, you yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, being the Paul Yoon that I am, um, I obviously did like a super big romantic gesture to ask my prom dates uh-huh. to dance. And I used to do like the student morning TV show. And then I, like, pre-recorded that, like, I was, after the episode, I, like, run out of the scene. And then, like, there's, like, a whole tracking shot of me running through the hallways. Oh, like a full Colbert or, like, late night running through New York. Yeah, and then I, like, appeared, like, I coordinated with the teacher, obviously. Showed up at the right time. Did it. Oh, like, like, in person? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, prom's a business, obviously. At Andrew Davis, sartorial advisors track trends religiously. We talked to Richie. You know, we're kind of familiar with the majority of them. Uh, yeah. Bloomington North is uh, the 30th they're doing. I think it's uh, James Bond themed. So, you know, a lot, a lot of classic things going on. Uh, um, South has a Hollywood kind of like a red carpet theme. Mm-hmm. So guys are going traditional, black and white, really classy, which is a, kind of a change of pace from, from where we've seen proms in the past where they're all kind of playing the match game, a lot of colors, things like that. It's not really going in that direction. So it's nice to see a bunch of young guys kind of getting the, you know, trim fit, nice, just classic. It's usually the parents putting everything together, right? Uh, not so much. They're actually uh, entrusting the kids to come out and do their own thing. So, you know, some, some parents want to get involved. Other times, I think it's their, their first opportunity, kind of, you're at the age where you start making, you know, mom's not telling me how to dress anymore. Yeah. You know, so it, they, they've been having fun with it. And that's kind of the thrust of it. People think of prom like this rite of passage with all this money and time and worry. But it's kind of like your SATs and ACTs. You never, ever talk about it again. <laughs> I think my first year at IU, I was looking through some old stuff I'd written. And only a year before, I had been so stressed about prom and the college shirts, it was actually laughable. Like our friend Sarah thought. Okay, so, <laughs> Sarah, you said, you said that nobody asked you. You had to ask your date out? <laughs> <laughs> Prom, I mean, in case you, in case you, in case you forgot. <laughs> she refused to say anything more. Flowers are the oldest metaphor and cliche in the book, and prom is too cheesy, tacky, really temporary. It might be the first thing bringing you to a florist, but it's the rest that you remember—the first and second dates, your friends' opening night, weddings, and maybe most of all, when you lose those you love. The flower shop is not a regular stop like the doctor. It means something has changed in your life. Prom is your first try at those gestures. It's about all the experience we've had so far. And like radio, we're not all that good at this yet. But we'll get there. For American Student Radio, this is Paul Yoon. And I'm Steven Johnson. 
Um, it was a cool Saturday. Shout out to Paul and Steven. You guys have to stop saying that you're bad at producing radio because I loved that story. I loved it so much. Um, Caitlin, uh, who did your mom last year prom? My mom didn't have to ask for me, okay? But um, I did go to prom. I don't know. Anyway, I ended up going with my um, with my arch nemesis. Actually, we were friends, and then and then we weren't friends. And then um, he ended up putting Vaseline all over my car, and then putting toilet paper on the Vaseline, and it was not nice. What a garbage person! Yeah, that didn't happen on prom night, but oh, okay. Well, that that doesn't make it any better. But still. <laughs> Yeah, I went to prom too, and I went with, well, I went one year, um, and I went with my friend who was just in love with somebody else, uh, and we always had this thing where he, we, we'd share Cheez-Its, and so he gave me Cheez-Its one day during class, and I ate it. I ate them before I looked at them, and he actually had written prom and permanent marker on them. It was like, prom, question mark? Um, but I had eaten them by the time that he actually told me that so. he wrote them on there, and he's like, well, do you want to go to prom? <laughs> But what it actually said was like, it was like do you, you want to go, go to palm? <laughs> Did you have a good palm with them? I had a great palm. Uh, palm is my favorite event in high school. So, uh, when do you guys drink a lot at your prom? <laughs> um, no, man, we were underage. Yeah, no, no, me neither. But you know when I did drink a lot? Little 500! Uh, so Little 500 rolled through campus this week, and reporter Taylor Haggerty took, 20, took her 24 hours to go ride to the racetrack and talk to biking's forgotten heroes, the bikes. What? It was a cool Saturday morning. I arrived at the track before any other human, but I wasn't alone. The Little 500 bikes of all brands and builds awaited their chance to prove their mettle in the Midwest's biggest bike race. I spoke to these bikes. Here are their stories. Uh, I am Schwinn from the fraternities Iota, Iota, Iota. We are superior to any other bike brand. Schwinn rhymes with win, just like Iota, Iota, Iota rhymes with nothing, because there are no competitors. Schwinn can race anywhere. I've raced on the land, on the sea, und die track, und die forest mountains, any race you think of, Schwinn has done and won. So what do you think you will do if you win the race? Uh, well, when we win the race, I've heard that the fraternity is going to um, turn up, and I, I think the bikes will just be put away in the garage. And is the garage a nice place? Ah, uh, yeah. You know, it's outside, mainly. If I had to characterize it, I'd say it's outside. You know, would I like to stay in the big frat house with my brothers? Well, certainly. But, uh, no, the bikes, we've, we have a nice time. So what have you sacrificed to be in Little Five? Oh, so much. So much sacrificing has taken place. Just hours of my bike life spent on this race. It's uh, hard to be a racing bike. Racing is a full-contact sport. Fun time. I was on the track. Practice round. No big deal. But Brad, who rides me, slammed into the wall. Dent in my frame. Three weeks of fixing. <laughs> I wasn't so much manufactured as I was schlepped together with trash cans and plywood. So uh, it, was, it was fun getting here, but it's harder staying together. 
How do you stay together? Dental floss. I could fall apart at any moment. A lot of the bikes in this race are fancy. They have uh, German engineering, but um, not me. I'm a domestic bike, so I would say there's definitely a, a problem just with the disparity. There's that, and the fact that emotionally, I'm not sure I'm prepared for this race. Is it really stressful for you to think about this race? It's very stressful, ma'am. I've been known to go to pieces just thinking about it. Emotionally and, of course, physically, as I am tied together. So what do you and your rider, Josh, do in those circumstances? Well, Josh is a good old boy. He'll tie me back together, and honestly, without Josh, I would not be here in the literal and figurative sense. Josh made me when he was but knee-high on an ant hill. I believe he was about eight years old, and he is about 21. So you do the math. I don't do math. I'm a bike. That's a long time. You're a pretty old bike in comparison to some of these other bikes. I would agree, ma'am. I'm definitely much older than many of these younger whipper bikes. Is this going to be your last race, or do you think you'll stay around for a while longer? Well, now, that's much more of Josh's terrain, if you will. If uh, if he's wanting to invest in one more pack of dental floss and tie me back together, well, that's just something that I'll take. And if he puts me out behind the barn and lets me rest, well, I'll be there for that, too. Here's the thing about being a unicycle in a bicycle track, okay? There's definitely a glass ceiling that I am expected to break through for my kind. Honestly, I don't know how. I'm trying here, okay? So what would you say is the biggest challenge that you face? Probably only having one wheel. But in a more abstract sense, I would just say there's an inherent system of prejudice against bikes with only one wheel. Every other bike in this race is a bike. Yeah, I'm different, and, like, yeah, I'm quirky, and, like, yeah, I'm a little weird, and, like, yeah, I have, like, <laughs> what, a different perspective, but that doesn't mean that I'm any less valid or that I'm any less likely to win this race. I don't know if you know a lot about unicycle representation, but it's just not happening. I'm also worried <laughs> in a very real sense about crashes. Crashes are scary. Little Five is, like, known for it. You know, they're, like, known for, like, some crashes or whatever, and, like, I'm terrified. Don't make me race. Oh, so you don't want to race? No, I'm fine. <laughs> I want to. Do you fall over a lot? Most of the time, yeah. Is that a painful thing for you? Like, it doesn't feel great. Um, oh, no, the wind's picking up. Hold on. No. 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 Hey, can you pick me up? Oh. Would you like me to put up your kickstand? That'd be great. Thank you. Are your riders adequately prepared to race? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, my rider, Kevin, even since August, he's been riding me all around campus and, like, up hills and, like, also downhills. And, like, we're really ready to go. I think his legs are super buff. How are you going to celebrate if you win? Kevin said something about buying an actual bike and not a unicycle. I don't know what that's about. But if I win the race, which I'm pretty sure I will, um, I'm going to, like... I don't know, really treat myself. Maybe I'll get a seat cover. I don't know. Uh, yeah, hey. Uh, my name's Scott. I represent Zeta Mu Sigma. And uh, we're going to win this race, all right? Yeah, okay. Uh, let me tell you, you've been riding every day, okay? We're out there 6 a.m., riding. 6 p.m., riding. We were riding the whole time. 12 hours of riding every day. It's been an uphill battle, you know, from uh, just getting up, you know, making out the door every day because I want to nap. 
And it's a struggle at the very end of the night because I want to sleep, but gosh, I've got a lot of adrenaline now. So, like, uh, my motivation is uh, being proud of my frat, being proud of my brothers and my family. And uh, together we're going to win this race. Yeah, I can race anywhere. I am a mountain bike by engineering, but uh, that doesn't mean that uh, that doesn't mean that I'm like a, a single a single-minded bike. Okay, I can bike anywhere, and I'm proud to say that. You know, I'm not worried about. There's a bike around here. It's just like literally coming apart by the seams. It seems to be held together with like string that smells bad. So uh, I'm not worried about that guy. In fact, I think I'm gonna hit him. I think I'm gonna hit him for fun. I don't know. It might slow me down, but not if I'm lapping him. You know what I'm saying? I'm living for this race, and then afterwards, who even knows? Who's to say? Probably Zach and I are going to ride off into the sunset or whatever. My rider is Lance, and I'm riding for Pi Lambda Pi, and I am a representative for that fraternity. I'm a little scared for this race. I um, I, I don't feel prepared for it at all. Um, I feel like my racer has made some very bad choices for training, and I don't like it. He took off my basket, and I just don't know that I can I can race without my basket. I don't think I can do it. I've had my basket since the day that I was made. It's like a part of me, and he just took it away. He said it was because it slowed me down, and I just I think that maybe it's okay to be a little bit slower if you're a little bit more comfortable with yourself, but that's not what he thinks. I feel a little betrayed. I feel like he didn't consider my feelings when he entered the race and when he took my basket away. Do you think you're going to be able to forgive him? Well, that depends on how the race goes, I guess, because if he's upset, then I'm upset. I don't know. It depends on how he reacts when we lose. So you're taking the possibility of victory completely off the table. You will lose. Have you seen the other bikes? There's this guy, Scott, and he's really cute. But, like, he's he's such a good bike. He's like a mountain bike. He was made for this kind of activity, and I'm just not. Not without my basket, especially. I feel like my basket could give me an advantage because I could, like, carry snacks or, like, a water bottle or, like... I don't know, band-aids in case we got crashed or something. And then, you know, we'd be okay. But I just don't know. We don't have anything with us on that track anymore. Well, you are just not full of hope for this race, are you? No. (laughs) I love that. I just love that last line. No. That's the best. And you guys improvised that, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, so for the listeners, Taylor and I actually did this piece together uh, for the 24-hour show. And it took us only like uh, – to to record, it took only two hours. Yeah, it was pretty quick. We, um, we got a recorder Thursday at like 4 p.m. And Morgan was like, we're not going to write a script. We're just going to improvise this because I feel like a script might make it sound a little stiff. And I was like, okay. <laughs> M- much like this uh, – this DJ ship here today, like, no, this is all improvised. We're just, we're rolling with it. Right, guys? <laughs> Spontaneity. Ooh. 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 Oh. Snaps. <laughs> uh, Taylor, but I'm, Kayla and I are both in improv, and improv troupe, Midnight Snack. Um, so we're kind of used to improvising. You're not. Absolutely not. I've never done anything like that before. <laughs> how did it, how, how did you like it? Um... I definitely like it better with the ability to go back and edit out all of the stupid mm. things. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, what you don't hear, there was a good, like, that whole interview sequence was about 45 minutes. And so going in and being able to take out the things that, like, 
we fudged a little bit or like we didn't quite nail a joke like we wanted to I cannot imagine what it's like doing it on stage live like no I mean we we wish we could do that too so it's not it's not like it gets better you just learn to live with the shame so that's that's very real. Like, I want to... Are we going to release that whole thing on... I would like to release the whole thing, but at the same time... Like... Yeah, there are probably some... We do... Okay, so in the course of the interview, we cuss a lot. A lot. Um, we have a discussion on whether or not the whole thing is just wildly offensive. Yeah, we were talking about... Um, and. We even said at one point, maybe no one's going to think it's offensive, and then we're going to say, is it offensive, and people are going to be upset with us. Yeah, people be like, hey, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> like there's just, it. I've like, the first thing was me doing a German accent, which I'm just not good at. <laughs> I think at one point you full on, like, you were rotating between Spanish and Russian and yeah. just could not find the German. <laughs> <laughs> it's so easy to just be like, oh, see, si? oh, no. And like, it's it basically, if you just go high pitch. <laughs> It could be anything, except for Russian. Except for Russian. I don't know what I was doing. The one, the one thing, though, whenever Morgan did her German accent, it was noticeably louder. Like, whenever she nailed it, it was, like, a good three decibels louder than everything else. Yeah. And I felt so bad. You're just sitting there with the headphones on. I'm just like, hey, so I'm going to get going! Like, and I just, like, <laughs> get so much louder. And I didn't think about it until um, later. So until later. Yeah, no, it was... It was kind of fun to do this piece because it was sort of like having four different interviews like they were all with Morgan obviously but every single one it was like 15 minutes with each bike I guess and I was gonna say I didn't hear Morgan on the piece I just heard four different bikes different bicycles with mouths different bicycles with mouths yeah (laughs) um do we want to talk a little bit about the other ideas we had for this piece oh absolutely we can so we made an agreement because this was the 24-hour week and we obviously decided to do something a little bit different. A lot of people went out and reported, but we were like, let's write a fiction thing (laughs) because why not? And so we decided we wouldn't brainstorm for what we wanted to do until we actually started because that would give us an unfair advantage. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that didn't necessarily work out. Like at Thursday at like 3.45, Morgan and I sat down and she was like, listen, I know we said we weren't going to brainstorm, but I've been thinking about this. Like, How could you not? How could you just be like, I'm going to go write a radio play and not even kind of think about the plot of that? Like that? That's insane. And I'm not crazy. Yeah, so, like, I, I had been thinking about it, too, and I got there, and I was like, Morgan, I have this one idea, like, just the one. <laughs> so you, you guys are basically admitting that, that you cheated on the story. All right, Caitlin. If okay. you want to consider the natural pathways of the brain <laughs> cheating, <laughs> then, yeah, Caitlin, we cheated. The other idea, I really, I still want to do this. Um, oh, yeah. I wanted to do this. I have this idea where we would, we would like go through the process of reporting, like, pretend we were going to report on a piece, and then in the end we would just die. So like, the <laughs> she's end. really intent on dying too. She was like, I don't know what I want to do, but I want to pretend we're reporting and then die at the end. Yeah, like I wanted us to like find something fantastical and then have it it'd be dangerous, and then like the end of the piece is just me sobbing into the microphone, like Taylor, no, <laughs> and then have and then just do this interview with you. <laughs> right, I thought it would be. What I learned about Morgan in the process of doing this piece is she really likes those dramatic, funny endings. So, like, someone dying and going, Taylor, no! And, like, in our piece, it ends with Jenny the bike with her basket. No! No! That one. And then I also loved, it was your idea to have the unicycle fall over. (laughs) 
I would not let it go. I was like, no, this is it. This is. <laughs> I didn't realize what you were doing. We were in the middle of the interview and she goes, wait, oh no, the wind's picking up. And I thought she meant like audio wise, like the audio was going to get ruined. And I was like, there's no wind, Morgan. What are you talking about? And then she started moving further away from the mic. And then I, I think, I, did I actually fall down? You almost fell down. You were like on the edge. We were sitting on one of the stone ledges next to the Jordan River. And she like got really close to the edge. I was like, Morgan, no. Yeah, I couldn't remember if I, if I actually fell down or I just like lost my balance right at the end and saved it. Because <laughs> um, it's been a long little five weekends. It has been a long little I've done a lot of both of those. <laughs> and then uh, our producer wants to know what the hardest constraints of working uh, within 24 hours for a fiction piece was. Oh, man. Okay. So listening to this piece, I'm like... I'm really proud of what I did get done in 24 hours, but I think, like, at one point we were talking about finding sound effects for when the unicycle falls over and making it, like, this big, like, crashing, dishes-breaking, hilarious thing, and we just, like, we didn't have the time to do that, and I would like to maybe add music in the background or something to keep it a little bit more upbeat and more exciting, also, the lab was closed by the time I was like, maybe we should record transitions from one bike to <laughs> yeah. the next because they're not introduced in any way, shape, or form. And, like, it, there were a lot of things that happened that I did not anticipate and having to deal with them. So, like, I can't – I could have recorded things on my phone, mm-hmm. but recording them on my phone, moving them to my computer, editing them down takes up time. Yeah. And so in that 24 hours, you just don't have it. Like – we, when we, we tried to, like, get rid of the problem of, of natural sound by – we went outdoors, which was good and bad because it did not sound like we were at the track at all. Oh, absolutely not. There are, like, trains going yeah. by. There's a bird up in the tree that won't shut up. There's <laughs> so many cars go by as we do. I'm not sure if you can hear it in the piece because I didn't listen that hard to the cars, but I was very aware as we were recording. Every time a car drove by, I was like, that can't be here. <laughs> and then uh, we tried to, like, get rid of some of the sound problems, too, by recording – um, just like generic bike sounds. So- yeah. See, we were going to use the bike sounds. There's one. Morgan and I went up to a bike rack and we were just <laughs> messing with the bikes and people were staring at us and we were like, this is not going to be a good idea. Like other people's bikes? Other people's yeah. bikes. We don't have bikes. We don't. So we went up to a random bike rack. That, sur- that surprises me that she went up there because aren't you? I'm terrified of bikes. Yeah. Like normally I'm only terrified of them when somebody's on them. <laughs> We we were walking around yesterday, and there was a bike, like, a block away, and she grabs my hand, and she goes, bike is coming, bike is coming, bike is coming, bike is gone. <laughs> Whatever. They're scary. You know what they are? What are they? They're spontaneous. Hey, guys, let's take a minute and think about spontaneity in American Student Radio. Thanks for listening to American Student Radio. We broadcast from WIUX 99.1 FM every Sunday at noon. In this episode, you've heard a few stories that were produced spontaneously in 24 hours or less. This week, we decided to ask our producers about the most recent spontaneity they'd enjoyed. Here's what they said. On my 19th birthday, at midnight, I played the Beatles' birthday song and we danced in our dorm room and then I ran out into the hallway and did 19 cartwheels. I was in Lee Norville, and then I got in the 9 bus, and then I realized I left my umbrella inside Lee Norville, so instead of getting off the bus and going for it, I just rode the 9 bus all the way to the mall and bought this new $20 umbrella. 
I just decided to buy myself a whole Papa John's pizza because I was already doing my taxes and I was going to be sad. And so I spontaneously bought and ate a pizza and it was great. Um, this isn't too recent, but I went on a cross-country trip. It was my honeymoon. Just packed up our car with like with camping gear, got a national parks pass, and then went to nine different national parks. It's all the country. Follow us on Twitter at ASR Voice and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash American Student Radio and our website, americanstudentradio.org. Now, back to the show. The biggest biking event in Bloomington this weekend might have been the Little 500, but the Bloomington Bike Project is riding all year round. ASR's Emily and Sheila report. This weekend, we rode bikes for the first time in about a year. We explored the Community Bike Project and test rode some pretty swanky wheels. What do you do? <laughs> I used to do it all the time when I was a kid. Like, you pedal backwards, and it, like, makes that, like, weird, like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid, I rode a classic black mongoose every day, and at the Community Bike Project, we ran into a seven-year-old girl named Macy, who picked out one just like it, except hers is red. How you doing? Good. You interested in buying a bike? 20 bucks sound good? Yep. That's a good little bike. I just want to make sure you rode it, make sure the brakes work and everything. I want you to take it off down the street, the brakes don't work. Did you want to take it for a ride down the street? You can't ride yet. Oh, you can't ride yet? This is, this is uh, your tires up. Thank you. Thank you. You guys need a receipt or anything? Or you guys need a... And, and, if you get, and if you get riding it and there's a problem with it, bring it back and we'll fix it. Okay. And this is the man who sold it to her. Oh, I'm Mark Norris. Okay. Um, volunteer here at the Bike Project. And director for Indiana Mentor DSI. Okay. And we were just wondering um, what the what the this bike project is. Well, um, what is community bike project is um, a community thing. We have no paid staff. Oh wow! It's all what we sell bikes for and get donations for used parts. But we bring donated bikes in. Okay. Um, we fix some up bikes to sell, like these are for sale bikes. It's open every Saturday. Oh. The only thing, the only difference is today is I'm, my company's doing the National Volunteer Day. We're in 38 states, so all 38 states are volunteering. I got people at three locations. I got people at New Hope Shelter, and I got another group of people at the uh, Center for Sustainable Living doing their tool share today. So, uh, but we wanted to open early today so we can get this all cleaned up and be open early today. Because one thing, the big thing is the farmer's market. Yeah. Right. And people right. passing through here and stuff like that, people looking at bikes and everything. So. One frequent donator stopped by this weekend. Yeah, I'm William Slaymaker. I'm a retired professor and I live in Bloomington and love living here and I do a lot of biking. I like to stop by the Community Bike Project to... One, get parts, and two, I oftentimes deliver old bikes that I have. I have a whole bike stable, and I have a lot of parts, so this is a good place to get rid of them, and they have good uses for them, and I can see you have a whole bunch of bikes for sale here, so it's a good community project. One bicycle enthusiast stopped by to admire a sleek silver Panasonic ride. I'm attracted to it. I'm riding my Bianchi back. I mean, I could try to trail it, but it would take a few there's kind of a network of like community bike shops throughout the country, and this has, 
I guess just recently popped up on it. Yeah. So is this exciting. the first one you've been to? Um, this is like this is the only one in Bloomington that I've okay. been to, but I've been to a couple in Portland, and I think two in Chicago, one in Seattle, um, a couple in New York. Last wow, time I was you've there. been all over. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've like been on the college search this year, so whenever I've been visiting schools, I've been yeah. like stopping by the bike shops just to yeah. see how they are. <laughs> yeah. How does this one stack up? Um, I mean, I love it because it's, it's probably the one that's most similar to Freewheelin', which is where I work, because they have, they have a retail shop out front, which I don't see anything like that here, um, but, like, the shop is simple, but has all the tools that you need, and it's filled with people, which means that it's being used, um, and the bikes outside seem to be in decent shape. Oh, yeah. Um which is significant. Well, if I could buy one, right. I would buy a little Panasonic right there. Yeah. yeah. That one looks really nice. That's the one I want to test ride. <laughs> oh, do it. Yeah, because it's, like, it's so hard to find uh, ones that size that are used that are still, like, decent. Yeah. Uh, it's a great price for what it is, too. Yeah. yeah. Hey, um, can we test ride some bikes? Sure, which one you want okay. to test ride? Um, can I ride that one, the gray one? Can you lower the seat a little bit? Yeah. The skinny ones, I like. I know that they would hold me up, but I just feel like they wouldn't. I've never something... ridden a skinny one before. Neither have I. So I'm a little nervous, but I mean, maybe today's the day. Maybe today's the day. This feels important. I'm totally bringing the bike in. Oh yeah. <laughs> Um, and what do you hope for the future of the Community Bike Project? Uh, I hope to develop, sooner or later, that we develop a, a youth earn a bike program, like for children after school to come and do, you know what I mean? I hope we develop that. I like to do some stuff. I looked up some sites and looked at some build-a-thons where we go to like Shalom Center, different shelters here that people need transportation and have like a 24-hour build-a-thon where our volunteers come and build bikes for 24 hours, build that number of bikes and have businesses pledge us to build that many and donate them. So there's these different things I've been looking up. I'm looking at trying to develop a program for my the people I work with on making jewelry and stuff from the old bike chains and stuff like that that they could sell because we junk a lot of that stuff. But if we could take, like, old wheels that's no good, you can make garden art from them, wrap them and weave them the fabric and put them like pinwheels and make stuff like that and sell. So that's, a, that's my future. That's what I'm looking okay. at for the bike project. For American Student Radio in Bloomington, I'm Sheila Raghavendran. And I'm Emily Miles. And we have ended. What do you think? Uh, next up, ASR producers Sophia and Abby talk to Bloomington doula and henna tattoo artist Rebecca Greenan because of her sign that said henna tattoos by donation. Um, they not only got her story, but those of the people Rebecca tattooed. What do you see? Like, what what was jumping out at you? Like a bird with spirals, a bird with very intricate wings, a $3 small seahorse, and a moon with a face of squirrels, and a beautiful flower or with intricate designs and circles and concentric ovals. At the edge of the Bloomington Farmer's Market, there's a small table. There's a woman sitting behind it and a sign advertising henna tattoos. I'm Rebecca Greenan, and I am 
if you know me professionally, I'm Passion Flower Women's Services. Besides a binder of henna designs, there's a paper of information about pregnancy and a woman's organization on the table. So I'm a birth doula, and I was looking for a way to reach my community, and the farmer's market seemed like the perfect place for that. So last year I started a little booth that just had information about all of the doulas in the community, and started doing henna near the end of the year and loved it and found it was a great way to pull people in and get conversations going. So I've just kind of kept doing that. And this year, my booth is more about just my stuff because I've got a lot more going on now. So I have henna tattoos by donation just to get people talking and comfortable and all that kind of good stuff. And I've got So I had a friend when I was in high school. And later on, when we were in college, she found out that she was pregnant and didn't find out until she was about five months long. So pretty late in the pregnancy and then had her baby about a month early. So doing some math there, you have not a lot of time to figure out what it means to be a parent and to have a baby. And she had like a pretty normal hospital birth for someone that doesn't like know a lot about what's going on. And I went down to visit her. I was one of the first people to visit her. And she was just, like, everything was so crazy. And I was one of the first people that could like talk to her as a real person and not like, whoa, your life just changed. What's happening? And so I came home and decided I'm not going to let this happen to any more of my friends and started reading all of the childbirth education books I could. At this point, I didn't know what a doula was. Found out about doulas, had just graduated college, so it was in like, oh no, I have this degree that's worthless, what am I gonna do with my life now? Rebecca's been a doula for two and a half years and has been present at the birth of 16 babies. Sadly, I'm not able to pay the bills with doula work and henna, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but yeah, I I work at Best Buy, I work in the back, and I love it actually, I have a whole family there, but. Hi, what can I help you with? Henna tattoo. In a tattoo, yeah. But what I want is, it's like a heart. Okay. But it's broken. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Okay. And then until I find you. Until I find you? Yeah. Okay, totally. And I have a, a lady friend that just passed, and I'd like, until I find you. Awesome. Do you want to sit? Sure. So why do you decide to get a henna tattoo as opposed to maybe like a real tattoo? Oh, no, I don't like real tattoos. You don't like real tattoos? No, I'm against it completely. Even though my children don't listen. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing how that happens. I had a construction business in Montana, and my son at 15 went to work for me. And one day he said, I did something you told me not to, Dad. And I said, what? He said, I got a tattoo. I said, are you kidding me? First of all, who tattooed a 15-year-old boy? So, of course, he plagiarized a note from his father. And what it was was a little teeny tiny Red Wing hockey logo on his ankle. And I'm a hockey fanatic, so I didn't get too mad. It's really nice to give people something beautiful on their own bodies so they'll start to honor their bodies a little bit more. Rebecca asked for donations and a story in exchange for a henna tattoo. I'm going to ask her, I haven't asked her yet, um, if you can add a little butterfly. Absolutely. For my best friend. Her symbol is the butterfly because... It symbolizes metamorphosis and change, and that's what we're going through at this middle age period of our lives. I'm, yeah. turning, I'm turning 50. Congratulations. In, in a few weeks. How did you meet your best friend? <laughs> uh, we are both um, homeschooling mothers, and uh, when my son was four, my son just turned 18. Um, I met her at a park day in Tucson, Arizona, and um, 
it was just love at first sight. I never had love at first sight. She just, we just, I would smack my hands together. It was like, <laughs> it was like that. So does someone who helps women through pregnancy want kids of her own? It's a really loaded question. <laughs> in a perfect world, absolutely. In the world we live in, I'm happy helping other people have their babies. That's just, I know that that's not my role. I would rather like help moms super empower themselves so that they're able to empower their children so that when those things come up against them, hi. <laughs> so when those types of things come up against them, they have a, a way to deal with it and they have the support to deal with it. Like our world, our world is never going to be perfect. Right. So maybe that's a bad way to say it. Is that no. in a perfect world? I would, but yeah, I'm happy with the people around me having babies. And one of her methods of empowerment is helping women feel more in control of their bodies. I do a lot of like body awareness type things because our culture is really bad at keeping us in our bodies. We're always up in this like anxious headspace. And birth is all about getting down into your body, trusting your body, knowing that it can do what it was made to do. Then my co-producer Sophia sat down for her own henna tattoo. I don't even know where I'd get a tattoo. Because I wouldn't want it on my arm. But I wouldn't want it on my leg. I wouldn't want it in any part of my body. <laughs> I want it small, but small ones don't stay forever. You know what I mean? This is, my th- this is Sophia's thoughts on tattoo corner. <laughs> and a conversation. Is there any kind of spirituality associated with being a doula? Like, uh, It depends on the doula. For me, there definitely is, personally, but every doula comes at it a little bit differently. How do you bring it? How do I bring it into my work? Yeah. Uh, being focused on the body is probably the biggest part. Like, we have to trust our bodies, and I struggle a lot with anxiety. The way that I deal with that is focusing on my alignment and focusing on are my feet on the ground and bringing myself back down into something that I can actually worry about instead of all of the millions of different things that might be going on in my head at the time. And so not all doulas are so body-centric as I am. But I just think that's a really, really important part of pain management. And then also just of, like, being aware of your experiences is that empirical sense of knowing what's going on in your body. How do you kind of align yourself? What do you mean? Like, is it, like, a physical thing or is it, like, a spiritual thing? Do you meditate? Um, I mean, I do yoga and I meditate every now and then. I don't meditate as often as I should. But I think you'd probably, if anybody says they meditate, they'll probably say that. But a lot of the time, a lot of what I do for my practice is just surrounding myself with people that are open to being listened to and just sharing space with people. I have a very humanitarian sense of spirituality. Mm. Does that answer your question? Yeah. What do you think the benefit of that is? Like, for people who are, like, it's not necessarily a religion thing, but like... Like, is there a benefit to being spiritual as opposed to, like, not being anything at all? I think spiritual is a hard word. Yeah. Philosophy major here is coming through a little bit, choosing what words you use. Um, if we're just talking about, like, something to believe in and something to focus your life around, I think everybody's spiritual in that sense, but not everybody might recognize it as being spiritual. Mm-hmm. 
But I don't think that anybody goes through their life without intentionality of some sort. It is, it's hard for me to call what I am spiritual because so much of it is in the body. Yeah. Like, so much of my spirituality is physical. Like, what does it mean to be, like, intentional? To be intentional? Yeah. Not thinking about the future, not thinking about the past, just being comfortable with what you're doing at that moment. And I think that's one of the things that Hannah really brings to me is that I have to be focused on what I'm doing and I'm focused on the person that I'm doing it with. Mm-hmm. and just giving your all to a situation instead of being distracted by a million different things at once. And you are done. For American Student Radio and my co-producer, Sophia Salaby, this is Abby Gibson. Uh, I love that. That Think about intentionality at the end. That was really cool. Uh, we have Sophia in the studio with us hey. to talk about hey, her guys. piece. Um, Sophia, how did you find this story? So um, Abby and I had breakfast at Runcible Spoon. It was delicious. <laughs> and we were like, let's just go to the farmer's market because I'm sure there'll be a story there. And we were walking and um, we kind of didn't, nothing had jumped out at us. So I was like, well, I had this other idea. This was like plan B. I was like, what if we interviewed uh, one of the bouncers at KOK? Because I'm sure this is a crazy day. We yeah. actually walked by there later and it was like so loud. I'm like, this would have never worked. But we were walking, and we saw the sign that said Henna Tattoos by Donation, and we're like, that's interesting. So we ended up talking to Rebecca, and we're like, can we just, like, hang around for a couple hours um, and talk to the people that you talk to and find out about being a doula, what she kind of does? And so it worked out really well. Like, it was completely unexpected, which is I did that thing, too, where I was thinking about stories. I was like, Mm -hmm. what if we go here? What if we do this? But this happened completely naturally so I was really happy about that that's so cool <laughs> like I just and I love that you just saw that she had a sign and you were like let let's check out that sign we we walked by it and we were like we looked at each other and we're like do we because we were about to go to Kilroy's and yeah. see what was happening we're like might as well just like stop for a second mm-hmm. and um it worked out really well so uh. Uh, what about your piece did you think was, like, the most surprising? What gotcha? Like, you said that you were struck by that moment when she was talking about intentionality, but, like, the whole thing in that these people, as soon as they sat down or as soon as they just started talking, it was immediately... I can't snap, but I would snap right now. <laughs> um, it was immediately, like, they just unloaded everything. Like, the first guy that we talked to, Rick, um, I believe his name was... He immediately said, he was like, I had like a lady friend that passed away. And I was like, you just like say that, like that's, and the fact that he decided to commemorate that by getting a henna tattoo, cause he was against actual tattoos. Yeah. But people were just so open and it's weird cause you don't think about that. You don't think about people being open with both their bodies, like taught, like having people touch them, but also like what's going on in their life. I think it's sometimes easier to be, I think everybody out there is wanting to tell their story and I think it's a lot easier to tell it to like a stranger because like they're never gonna see you again so like you know it doesn't it doesn't really matter but yeah it must be freeing in a way yeah you should uh I'm pretty sure Rebecca's at the farmer's market most Saturdays she posts on Facebook so if you want to get your own henna tattoo um that's a thing that you could do because like I was thinking about I'm like I need to experience this fully. I need to get my own henna tattoo. Really, Hunter S. Thompson it. Yeah, I need to I need to live it. I need to be embedded. Oh, 
Kelly McEvers, we see you. <laughs> so, uh, so that's kind of what I, w- I was like looking at. I was like, mm, I'm going to get one. There was a lot of audio of me just being like, hmm, because hmm. I'm indecisive. Like even about a head tattoo, that's not going to stay like for two weeks. I'm like, oh, it's going to be on my body. Where do I put it? What, what is it? Like I could get this flower, but not. <laughs> Yeah, you showed me in studio today, and it's already almost gone. I, I don't know what actually happened. I think maybe because it didn't get exposed to... Like, I got mine... You can't. We didn't say it in the piece, but I got it in like, the back of my neck because I was like, I don't want it on my arm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think maybe because it was like on the back of my neck, it didn't get exposed to sun. Like, I've had henna tattoos before, and they get pretty dark, so I don't know what happened. Um, maybe I'll go back next week and get it done over again. <laughs> So what was the most difficult part of telling a story in 24 hours? Um, When you're not, you kind of have the luxury of being able to um, go back and interview again because, like, there were pieces that I've done where I've had to go back, like, multiple times because I keep not getting things. But, like, this time I actually – well, I mean, we only had that one chance. Like, once we left, we were done. And when we were – uh, going through the audio, we realized we kind of had two stories that were going on at once. Her talking about being a doula, which is what we were asking her questions about, and then also the stories of the people that she actually tattooed. So it was kind of hard. Where I think we did an okay job of putting those two narratives together, but we're like, man, we should have asked more about like her experience doing the things that we were actually like that we were recording. Mm-hmm. So being able to go back was probably made it easier. Yeah, they, um, that, I, I think that there was still that really cool mix, <clears throat> excuse me, of, um, like, the action taking place and the other things around it, because I had no idea. When you came in and told me that your piece is about Adula, I thought that was her name. <laughs> <laughs> so I had no idea what Adula was, so it was cool to, like, see that. Yeah, for those of you that don't know, Adula is, like, a birth support person, like, they're paid to professionally support a woman through the whole birth process, because... It's, I would assume I've never had a baby, but I would assume that whole experience is extremely overwhelming and you don't really know what's going on. And to have someone who's right there who's like, it's okay, I'm there for you, um, who's not a doctor or not like a midwife, I think that's kind of what a doula does. Mm-hmm. I learned that word from Gilmore Girls because there's an episode where um, Luke's sister, yeah, Liz and their- TJ, yeah, yeah, they name their kid Doula. doula. <laughs> That's why, you know what? I probably learned it there too. And that's why I thought it was a name. Yeah. Um, so besides, uh, besides your main piece, what was your favorite story that you heard? My favorite story that I heard? Oh man. I don't want to like pick one, but I really, I mean, I really liked all of them. Abby and I, we listened to, um, we didn't listen to Paul and Steven's piece, but we listened to, um, your guys's piece and then Emily and Sheila's piece and and we were like listening we're like oh this is so good like this worked out so well like I'm really like yeah like that's how I feel (laughs) I know this was like this is a crazy this could have been so crazy bad (laughs) yeah we were we like uh we we definitely like Taylor and I had a long conversation if she wants to say we had a conversation about two weeks ago and we were like there's a lot that could go wrong and Taylor kept pointing things out and which is important. Like I needed to, she's like, be careful, like watch your expectations. Cause I it, think yeah. at one point I even said like, we should go into the archives and find pieces to play just in case we don't have anything. Let's see what we already have and make sure we have things backed up. Because at that point it was right after the fringe episode and 
me and my friend Casey had gone to look for a story in a couple hours and we did not really find anything. So I was really nervous to do this. And that's why you were like, I'll just write mine, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Mine will be fiction. No, it was more like, okay, I've already done the 24 hours of reporting and producing, so what's it like to do a fictional piece? Yeah, so I think, like, I kind of went into this, like, I'm like, we only have, like, three or four teams that are going into reporting. I have no idea what's going to happen. If the show is good, then that's amazing. If the show is not so good, then we've learned a lot. And I think we've learned a lot regardless. Mm-hmm. So, Actually, I have a question for you, Sophia. Ooh, what's the question? Because when we were talking before, you said you were hoping we would have eight or nine teams. <laughs> went out, like Eight or nine teams of people who would go out and look for a story. So what was what was your feeling when only three or four people were like, yeah, I'll do it, or only three sets of people? I was like, we had a Google Doc with all the teams and uh, or people who said they would kind of do it, which I understand this. It's the end of the semester. It's little five. Like, I have no no qualms. Is that the right <laughs> no, word? You nailed that. You nailed that. I have no, like, I have no problem with the people who, like, who, it, it just didn't work out. Like, that's not a problem to me. And I was, like, seeing, I was, like, okay, if this is five minutes and this is five minutes, this is, oh, no, we only have, like, 15, 20 minutes of stuff. Like, what are we going to do? Um, but I think it worked out. I think we have about um, 30 minutes of actual storytelling, and then we were talking, I think it's really good to kind of talk about the pieces, because you don't really get a chance in the piece to hear that stuff. Like as opposed to the fringe piece from a couple weeks ago that Taylor, you were a part of, there's a lot of the process and Mm -hmm. we kind of told everybody, don't make it about your piece about the process and we'll cover it in studio. So I think this worked out, worked out pretty well. Yeah, I think so. Um, we, um, I think actually we had, because of the time constraints and like the lack of editing, we had a lot of extra pieces uh, and I understand that you brought in a clip that you didn't get to put in the piece. So you heard this girl at the beginning of our piece, um, but this, Abby and I, we were listening to audio and we fell, like, when we were talking to her, we fell in love with her, not actually, but like, fell in love with what she was saying. <laughs> but <laughs> Cool clarification, moving on. Thanks. Uh, and we're like, we want to put it in, but we're like, this makes no sense. And you, there's always happens when you're doing pieces, like you have to cut out the things you love. Um, but this one, we're like, we have to play on air. So I'm going to play it and we can kind of <laughs> uh, debrief after. Yes. Hi, we're with a radio group on uh, from Indiana mm-hmm. University. Would you mind if we just recorded? Um, sure. Okay. Why? We have a radio show, and we're doing stories in 24 hours, and so we just decided to come over here and find a story. Oh, cool. So, have you ever gotten a henna tattoo before? Yeah, once when I was about seven. I've been, I've been coming to the farmer's market since I was really young, and once when I was about seven, I went into the square near City Hall and they were doing henna tattoos and I got one. It took a while to dry though. Hey guys. Um, hey. What, um, so what do you think you're going to get? I actually don't know if I'm going to get a tattoo because I want to get a tamale in <laughs> the food area and I only have $8 and they cost $5 so I'm being careful with my money. Oh, where do you, do you do chores? Is that how you get your allowance? Actually, I used to, but I don't anymore because I just had, you know, I just, you you know, moved on to, you know, fifth grade and it 
busy. Yeah. Oh, I remember. I remember those days. So, so do you think you'll get something? You know, or are you just looking right now? Probably not. But I still like looking at the really nice designs. What do you What do you see? Like, what What was jumping out at you? Like a bird with spirals. A bird with very intricate wings. A three dollar small seahorse. And a moon with a face of squirrels and a beautiful flower or with intricate designs and circles and concentric ovals. Those are some big words for a fifth grader. Intricate, concentric. Where do you learn those words? I don't know. Well, I used to listen to audiobooks when I was younger a lot. And I just have a good vocabulary. Wow. An expansive vocabulary. <laughs> Do you mind if I borrow this for just a second so she can choose sure. hers? Thank you. Give it back in just a moment. Ready to go on? Yeah. We're looking forward to Thank the tamales. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. Have a great day. Have a great day. I'm obsessed with that little girl. She's something. She's amazing. She, uh, she's just like, <laughs> she's so fierce. Did you find yourself, like, I don't know, I was just really relating with her when she was talking about, you know, like, her financial struggle. Yeah, no, I think this morning uh, we were listening, Kayla and I were listening to this tiny little clip, and when she goes, I have $8, and tamales are $5, so I can't afford a tamale and a tattoo, I just grab Caitlin and go, same. <laughs> wow, I can't get a tamale, I can't even get a tamale. If we're going to be real about it. The first time I heard it, I, I wasn't, I mean, I guess I wasn't listening all the way, but I thought she was saying she wanted a tattoo of a tamale. And that's, and that's at that point I was like, yeah, same. <laughs> Me too. I would love that. So why did you, Sophia, um, connect with this girl so much besides the obvious? Like, I feel, I don't know. I feel like I was probably like her. Like, I probably thought I was like super smart when I was like in fifth grade. I was like... Oh, I have an expand no, not just a good vocabulary, but an extend expansive vocabulary. Thank you very much. Like she looked at me when she said that. Like she knew what she was doing when she said that like that she was trying to like and I love her for it. Like I want to be her when I grow up. Um I <laughs> yes. But uh, but yeah, no. And I mean, you can see now see why we wanted to include this and just oh. add it. Also, we I'm I have there's a there's a, a message of like ASR producers. Um and uh um Abby just messaged she was holding a stuffed cat. <laughs> which yeah. I, she was. I don't know, you can't see me right now, but I'm about to weep because that's so cute. Just like this image is a little girl holding a stuffed cat. Concentric ovals. Like <laughs> I don't, I don't even, I don't think I even know what concentric oval, I looked it up and I was like, it, I think it's, I, I don't, I can't explain it. So you're going to have to, uh, use the internet to figure that yeah. out or ask your local fifth grader. Ask your local fifth grader. I cannot or, tell you what it means. No. Uh, this morning we were going to make it, put a joke in the script about how we didn't know what concentric means, but then we thought, no, they don't want to think we're too dumb. But I do, I do know what expansive means. And what was the other one? Intricate. Intricate. So we're good. But yeah, the best part was that um, when we were reporting our story, I look up and look down and I actually see uh, Sheila and Emily who did the bike story or the not fictional bike story. And I was like, yes, we went to the same place. And they came over right when I was talking to this girl. And um, Emily uh, in our group message says she was glorious. Sheila and I walked up and witnessed her in person uh, <laughs> with a smiley face with a little tear. And um she also added, are we smarter than a fifth grader? And she also no. she, she said, no, we weren't. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, it was just um, like, it's so great. Like everybody should go to the farmer's market and get a sweet breakfast and also meet a ton of people. Like I did a story a couple weeks ago and I talked to all these kids about what they want to be when they grow up. Like I would recommend that. Like don't even have a record. Just walk up to random kids and ask them what they want to be. Don't do that actually. Sophia. <laughs> it's like the second time today we've had to be like, JK, it's cool. Sophia's not going to. Yeah, but um, how do you, as, like, as hosts, um, if we kind of want to, like, talk about the show for the, like, how was it not knowing what you were going to talk about at all? Like, how was that experience? I mean, we're improvisers for me, and this is the first time I've ever hosted, so I, do, I know no different. <laughs> um, well, for me, it, this is my second time hosting, and the first time I hosted, I hosted with Joe, and so we spent, like, the night, like, eight hours in the lab the night before this came out, uh, the night before we went on air, and we like wrote the whole script, and we had everything down pat. We improvised one part, and that was it. And it was just the thing about my first kiss. And then so to come in here, and we just had the script is just full of like all caps lines. It's just like talk about this, I guess. I don't. So <laughs> it was a little stressful. Also, we had we couldn't write the script until all the stories got in, which wasn't until like this morning. And so we went out last night. <laughs> Started, got back at like 3 a.m. and then woke up at 8 to start this. You didn't even know. You thought that my piece, I put the piece with the the, the interview with the girl in last night and mm-hmm. she and Morgan thought that was my piece. And oh. I was like, oh, there's like a whole nother like nine minute piece that, that we made. And I was like, oh, I have to rewrite everything. Great. Sorry. Sorry about that. No, it's fine. I loved it. And I'm in love with this little girl. Like, she's amazing. I can't stop talking about it. The true hero of the show. <laughs> Real hero of this piece. Um, but yeah, no, this, the hosting was, it's so fun. I love hosting, but it's also terrifying a little bit. It's very terrifying. The first thing I said, I said, what did I say that today was Sunday? Or that the stories had to be in by Sunday or something. And I was like, ah, that's the first time I'm talking on the radio and I messed up. <laughs> You're fine. You but do. It's, yeah. Oh. Yeah. So was the show a success? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> resounding. Resounding. <laughs> a very, great. Co- I mean, very confident yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Great so, job. So what's what's going on next week? Uh, next week, um, Colton is hosting a show, uh, host, hosting ASR, same time, same place, um, and uh, about femininity. I believe. So we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to American Student Radio. I'm Morgan Burris. And I'm Caitlin Blancett. Bye. Thanks for listening to American Student Radio. We're produced by students from Indiana University in Bloomington. Follow us on Twitter at ASR Voice and like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash American Student Radio. Our theme music is provided by Lunamatic. Check out Lunamatic's music at www.soundcloud.com slash Lunamatic. That's L-U-N-A-M-A-T-I-C. We'll have new episodes every Sunday on WIUX and streaming on our website at www.americanstudentradio.org. 